verse 3 and, and read quite a chunk here. Uh, not verse 3, but chapter 3, sorry. So James chapter 3, James is in the New Testament, right after the book of Hebrews. And we're going to pick it up in verse 13 of James 3. And this is what James writes. He says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show up by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you can get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace, and that's why the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's a sweet passage, right? I had a professor in seminary, and this guy was the, the biggest nitpicker I've ever met in my life, and I couldn't stand it. I'm a, I love history, and I love history because you can look at like a thousand years like in a one-inch timeline. You know, it's, it's as crazy big picture as you can get it. This guy that I had in, in grad school would take one word, and he would spend hours on it. Well, what do we mean by this, and what are the different senses, and Let's talk about some synonyms and antonyms, and, and let's really dissect this word. What tense is the verb in? And I'm like, I don't know, what's a tense? Okay. Um, I think sometimes when we look at Scripture, there's some words that we need to dissect or some, some verses that we need to dissect to really get the full meaning of that word. And this isn't it. Okay? This is, is all about the big picture. This whole chunk of Scripture I read when I was getting ready for last, last Monday, when I was kind of rereading through it again, I was really thinking and processing about this Sunday, I realized, man, there's a whole lot here, but it's really all about one thing. It's not about what do we mean by the word envy? What are the different kinds of envy? Does envy look different when you're older? It's not about that. Okay? What James is trying to get at here, he's, he's flown with it, and he's just writing with his pen, and he's basically saying this, there are two 
kingdoms and they are completely at odds with each other. There's nothing about the two that can, that can mix. There's, there's nothing about the two that have in common. There is the things from above and the things from below. There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of this world. There's, uh, having a pure, right motivation towards life where it's not about you. And then there's a, a self-centered, egocentric view of the world. There are things that are unspiritual and there are things that are spiritual. And these two things are completely at odds with each other. Completely and radically at odds with each other. And he is trying to get us to just grab hold of that one idea that the whole thing here is that we have to reject the world and we have to accept a completely new paradigm for reality. And that's the spiritual one. It's the one from above. It's God's paradigm. And so he says, resist the world and resist the devil, and draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And so I read this on Monday, and I kind of figured out, wow, this is what he's saying. He's saying um, pretty harshly here that there there is no middle ground. And I thought, man, that sounds really preachy. <laughs> it's like, that sounds heavy, sticky, and preachy. And I started thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm not really in the mood for a preachy sermon. And so what do I do? You know, and I was praying to God and I was like, God, we baptized people last week. Isn't that enough? (laughs) Do I really got to be preachy this next week? And then I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I can get Brandon to teach. Um, And that didn't work. And then I started uh, trying to think of maybe I could break the sermon into two pieces and I'd only do one piece and I could like, maybe I wouldn't have to be preachy. I just wasn't in the mood to be preachy. Um, And there's just no getting around it. If, if, uh, if we wanted to find preachy, that's what James is doing right here. And so as I processed it more, and I was like, okay, God, we'll, we'll go forward with this. I started thinking about Jesus and kind of his ministry. And it kind of made me feel good because there was times when Jesus just flat got away. I mean, he just got out of town and rested and, and I think tried to just take some energy in. And, and so they would leave the territory and he and just his group of guys would kind of get away on retreat and I don't think he was always bringing the heavy with him. I don't think he walked up to the comfort inn, said, I'll have one room, please. And by the way, repent or you're going to hell. You know, I think he was like off duty. And, and he just was just, just being a human and being relational and spending time with his friends. And he wasn't always being preachy and bringing just the heavy stuff. Okay? And so I felt good. Well, it, maybe it's good to... Not always be in the mood, you know, to be preaching. But then there was times when Jesus did enter back into it, and and he didn't pull punches. Okay? So Jesus says this. He says, um, you're either for me or against me. He says, you can't serve two masters. Either you serve money in the things of this world, or you serve God. And he said, broad is the path. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And narrow is this path that leads to life. And they go two different directions. And so Jesus says, you have to lose your life if you want to find your life. But if you try to find your life on your own, you're striving and stuff like that, guess what? You're going to lose your life. And so Jesus said that exact same message. There's two completely, radically different paradigms. And they are so at odds. And Jesus wasn't afraid to step up and say it. And so I kind of came to this conclusion um, that it's okay to not want to be preachy. 
Um, and it's okay to say it like it is. Uh, we don't always come to church because it feels good. Sometimes we come to church because we're going to hear what's true. And what's true is important, okay? And what's wrong maybe as I started processing through it is this middle ground where we, we don't do either. We just kind of tell people what they want to hear and we just kind of give them some neat little things, but we don't really get at the heart of the matter. And so here's three principles to having a, a better whatever kind of life. And here's two thoughts or here's your five steps to this. And we're basically... Um, handing people these resources and and not telling them they're running the wrong race. And so, you know, it's like a marathon. You're handing them the cups. Of water. But but what we should do is step right out and say, whoa, stop. You're, you're way off base here. You're serving yourself. You're trying to succeed in the ways of the world. And church people can do this as, as well as anyone else. That's why Jesus made so much fun of the religious leaders in, in his day because they were just using the religious stuff as as their strategy to like get ahead in life. So everybody's got a different strategy and theirs was just going to use religion to get somewhere. Okay? And so Jesus said, wanted nothing to do with these guys because they were missing the whole point that we have to just step in and say, there is only one race you want to run. And if you're not running that race, you need to stop. I had a pastor in uh, California named Lee Barton, and I love this guy. Uh, he's just as much of a man's man as you're ever going to be around. And when he'd preach, it was hilarious because he'd say things that you're just not supposed to say when you're preaching, you know. Uh, but he had this saying that he would always throw at me. He'd say, Ken... Slap me early rather than hit me late. And he just, and so like, you know, and he'd shorten it. And it was just once a week, he just, he, he was very humble, meek guy. He just slapped me early. And his whole thing was if, if, if he ever found out, if I had, if I ever beat him over the head with a two by four because he was just way off base and, and he could see that I could have just like slapped him a lot sooner and a lot less painful, then he was going to be really mad at me for not slapping him early. And I think that, the church sometimes gets into this habit of, of preaching kind of these fun little feel-good, practical-based messages, but never really getting at the heart of there are, are two things at play here. And if we're going one way, it doesn't matter how many little principles we've got, we're completely on the wrong road. And we need to be willing to slap people a little bit. And that's what preachy is, right, I guess. And so James does it, and Jesus does it, and the New Testament does it, and it gets in there and it slaps us and wakes us up and reminds us, check where you're going. You're you're praying, James says, but you know why you're not getting? Because your motives are all messed up. You're not thinking about God giving you a calling and using what you've got to impact the world. You're just like, man, I've run into some hard times. God massage things or give me what I need to just get through this hard time because it's all about me making progress in the world. And so James is saying you got it completely wrong. And so I kind of, as I was thinking through this and going, okay, I don't want to be preachy, but maybe I just have to preach this. It's like I'm a big Civil War buff, so the... Uh, you know, the flags that they would carry. It was a big deal back then. Back then, it was like an honor. If the flag went down, you pick up and you bear the colors of your regiment. You know, my generation, we flag would go down. I'm not, you know, I'm not picking that up. <laughs> Someone else picked that up, you know. Look exactly, you know, but the life expectancy, like in, in the Battle of Gettysburg and stuff like that, the life expectancy of whoever was holding the flag was only a couple minutes. You're just going to get shot up just like that, and then you're done. And I mean that was and so to me in some sense I think that's why we avoid this message. 
I don't know. I mean, you guys can check me here. I might be wrong. But I think that's why we avoid this message. It feels like as Christians that if we really pick up that flag and we really convey that message that there are two kingdoms waging war and you can't have it both ways. There is no middle ground. That if we pick up that standard, that banner, and kind of hold it, that just, we're just going to get riddled full of bullets. People are, you're just one of those Christians, or you're just one of those preachy, or you think you're better than everybody else, or we just think we're just going to, and so we kind of try and leave it sitting there and just say, I'll just still be a Christian, but kind of just soft pedal it over here. And I, so, I mean, this was a, a wild journey my mind went on. So I started really thinking, I was like, wow, you know, maybe there's a, there's something here. Maybe in the last 20 years, uh, what's been going on with the church and with Christianity, maybe we've really become the, the most ridiculous thing in culture. And, and this is what I mean by that. Um, have you guys like checked into the news at all, like in the last year? There are these rehab centers that, that cater to the rich people. Have you, like, I mean, the people are going in and out of them, you know. But so there are these rehab centers like in Malibu and Utah and Colorado and they cater to the rich people. They cost like $200,000 a day or whatever. And, and nobody gets cured of anything. <laughs> okay? I mean, you go in there and they spend a lot of time like giving you things and, and great advice. I'm sure some great paperwork that looks really pretty. And they're giving you all this stuff. And, and these people come out and nothing's changed. You hear what I'm saying? Don't those places seem silly to you? They seem silly to me. It's, it's funny. It's comical. It's like you hear about the next Hollywood star that's going into one of these rehab places and you kind of chuckle. Like, wow, that's a good PR move, I guess. You know, or an exercise in futility or, or whatever it is. And, and I, I feel like, not to say rehab centers are bad, not to say that people can't be helped by them, but I'm saying there's a certain segment of them that just seem to be comical to me. And what I started thinking about was, what if, what if the church has become that? Maybe that's what we've become is we've become that rehab center for the rich that we go through all these motions and give people all these great things, but we, we, we're so afraid of offending them that we never really slap them. I mean, can you imagine like Lindsay Lohan getting slapped? <laughs> stop drinking. Um, did you not hear me? Stop, stop drinking. Okay. Um, can you imagine that? You know, they, they're going to just take their money somewhere else. Oh, so we can't slap them. Or hit them with the two by four or anything like that, right? So we're just going to keep giving them little things that are good things and nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing's going to change in here. So I started thinking, you know what? Um, Wow, maybe that's where we're at. Do you know that there's only one state out of the 50 where Christianity is growing? It's Hawaii. I think it's probably a small island. I don't know. Um, Maybe there's other reasons. (laughs) Anyways, there's only one state out of 50 where Christianity is growing. It is declining in all 49 other states. It's going down. Yet we tithe. Um, people put time into sermons. Other people put time into serving. We go out into the community and do good things, and yet Christianity is just going backwards. And, and maybe we've become the rehab center to the rich. that changes nothing other than it just propagates itself we survive this church stays here we've got great materials and we'll give you some great advice but we're not going to change you and so then i kind of came back to this and i had this renewed sense of sweet maybe i need to slap a couple people and i was i was thinking okay 
And it's like, ooh, you know, I mean, if you're going to slap people, hear the right words, right? You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? I mean, you get cozied up with the world. It's not like it's just not a God thing. It's hatred towards God. And it goes on and it talks about submitting to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. There's a sense in which we have to initiate a movement towards God. I'm going to rid myself of kind of the wrong motives and, and the wrong goals that I've had in life and that I maybe put 20 years into. Who knows? And I've got I to put that away. And then I have to move towards God. And if I'm sitting there late at night going, I'm so hollow, I'm so empty inside, and yet I keep crying out to God, how come he doesn't hear me? Maybe it's because you haven't put this stuff away and moved towards God. Because it says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And Jesus says, if you ask, you you will be answered. And, and if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. And there's a real sense in which if we do strike out on that narrow road, God is going to find us there. And meet us. And so being in this Christian rehab for the rich center, we never really slap people and tell them, you got to get rid of this. And we really, never really tell them, look, deep in the core of your being from your heart, the, the, the guts, the bowels, in the Old Testament, the, the word that we have heart in here in our Bible, like is actually bowels. Like we, we, it wouldn't make sense to us, so they translate it heart. You know, but the Hebrews, it was the seat of the emotions, the guts down here. It's where you get the butterflies in your stomach, right? And so that was, that was heart for them. You know, and if we put that in there, people would be like, lost, what? You know, so they translate it heart because that's what we mean when we say like the seat of emotions. But like in our bowels, in the, in the core of our being, right from our gut, we have to somehow say the only thing that matters is the kingdom of God. Is pursuing him, being for him, giving my life to that and running that race. And if you can help me run that race, give me some encouragement. Pick me up when I'm weak. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I need. And so I kind of started thinking that maybe it's kind of cool sometimes if, if the Bible gets a little preachy with us. Because it might actually change us. And so I started thinking kind of again just about, wow, maybe there's something here. And so we know there's a whole talk about obedience, right? Obe- you know, obey, be good, do good things, be pure obedience, And I think the whole idea here is if we strike out and I want to be a part of this kingdom, obedience is just a means to the end of that. It's just kind of what you do. I mean, it's like talking about steering right. Well, no, just go to that destination and the steering will work itself out, right? But the church, when we're being preachy, maybe we do the preachy thing all wrong. We tell people just about clean yourself up on the outside, do the right actions, but we never really get at their heart or their their guts or their the see their emotions, where, where things are really originating from. And so people come in and we kind of give them a, a lot of little principles, a lot of little steps to just clean themselves up and look a little bit more pretty and polished for church. And I think that makes us schizophrenic. I, th- I think it really does. It's like we start looking, everything's got to be in the right place and there's no end to it. And we're always checking ourselves and we're just, oh, what about, and we can't keep track of it all. And we just go a little bit crazy. There's a, a guy in college that I knew, he's part of the fraternity, this guy was the, the biggest basket case you've ever seen. Uh, stressed all the time. 
I mean, the guy was just like on jitters. It's like he had a caffeine, an IV, something like that. I mean, he just literally was always jittered, and he was so – every little moment was such a stress thing for him. And any little thing he did wrong, he'd start like uh, talking to himself, and, and he'd start hitting himself. Stupid, 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 you know, and, and ah, idiot, 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 idiot. And, and so it was weird being around him, and that's why I forgot his name because everyone tried to avoid the guy. Because whatever he did, it was wrong, and then he's like hitting himself and calling himself names, you know. And it was just really, you know, funny thing to watch. I think that's kind of the way we are sometimes. We, we get so locked up on just looking the right way and, and prettying up the outside and, and all these little obedience things and purity things that we go a little bit crazy and then we start like, you know, um, hitting ourselves on the head, you know, stupid, stupid, stupid. And we, we miss sight of what it's all about. We get bogged down, get bogged down. And so I was with a, another church recently and the other church, uh, I was with their elder board. And so I'm talking to this other elder board and they asked me, hey, what are you guys doing at Antioch for spiritual growth? Like, you know, to help people grow spiritually. And I kind of laughed. And they're like, well, why are you laughing? I said, well, um, I screwed that up. We really have nothing. <laughs> and uh, in small groups, I screwed that up too. And we really, you know, I, we don't really have those going either. And, and so I kind of chuckled. And they're looking at me like, why are you laughing? I don't know. It's kind of funny. But I was kind of like, you know, um, no, we really have nothing. I screwed all that up. We're going to try and fix that stuff. But, but I told him, I said, you know, here's the funny part, though. We don't really have any good systems, you know, my fault. But there's people that are growing like crazy. You know, a ton of people that got baptized, I know their stories. And, I, and I'm watching them grow like crazy and be hungry for the things of God. And I said, so, you know, there's a ton of people growing like crazy. And I said, you know, here's what I kind of realized. We, I can't say that it was the programs or the structure and all that did it. I said, here's what's, what I think has done it. It's, there's, there's a goal. I said, there's a goal, there's a calling that they've locked onto, and that's what's doing it. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's like this. If you make a, a New Year's resolution, you know, that I'm going to work out in the gym, I'm going to go three times a day, I'm going to lose all these pounds, I'm going to whatever, you know, you, you go in for like a couple times, and then at the end of January, it's like stupid, 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 you know. Um, and it just doesn't happen, right? But if you kind of set this goal of, you know what, I'm going to run a marathon, and this is my training partner, and we're in this together, and you've got this goal on the horizon, this vision, that marathon forces you to get into shape. So when you kind of set the goal of getting into shape for getting into shakes, shape's sake, nothing happens. You set the goal of the marathon, you start running and training and, and trying to achieve that goal. Lo and behold, there you are, you're in shape. And so what I told this other church, I said, you know, we don't have any of these structures. We don't have the gym. We don't have the New Year's resolution plan. Um, and so it's kind of like there's nothing we can do there. But there's a lot of people that are catching a vision for their life of how they want to be used by God to make a difference. And so now because of that, they're finding partners and because of that, they're praying. And because of that, they're searching the scriptures. And because of that, they're going to people for counsel and advice and things like that. And they're growing like crazy because of it. And so I think that sometimes when we, we get after it and start talking about you need to live a certain way, we, we focus just on the stuff and we go a little bit crazy. And I think what James is doing here and what Jesus was trying to say is like, lose your life and you'll find it. Settle one question first and the rest of it's just going to unravel. Whose are you? What kingdom do you serve? 
what goals do you have penciled in kind of on the horizon, five, ten years, whatever? What keeps you up at night? Trying to love on people or trying to get more and satisfy some kind of appetite that you shouldn't have? And so that's why I think it's really funny. Jesus doesn't, I don't think he preaches a lot about don't sin. He says don't sin. He just says it, slaps you, stop it. And what he tells you to do is to love. And when he says to love, we, we say it so flippantly. When Jesus says love, he means something huge by it. He's saying love God, love others. Now, if you're making God angry because of how you're living, that's not working. Okay? So yeah, you've got to be obedient so that you can love God and see that smile and know like you're making him proud and, and have that peace in your heart. And loving other people. How can you love other people if you're all messed up? If everything's out of whack, if your life is haywire, if you're going around beating yourself on the head, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot. How are you going to help anybody? And so Jesus doesn't focus on the small things either. He just goes right at love and says, we need to learn how to give our lives to God and we need to learn how to give our lives to other people and that's all that love does. Love is completely outward focused. And so Jesus says it another way. He says it's better to give than to receive. Now, I've only heard that ever preached when a church is, is asking for more tithe money. And so I kind of got it wrong. I honestly did. I had it wrong. You know, I, I thought that's what Jesus was saying, you know. And I think as I'm going in there and, and seeing it's better to give than to receive, Jesus is kind of catching hold of the deeper gut level thing of saying it should be focused outward, not inward. You've got to be radically turned inside out. It's got to be your whole paradigm for life that you're serving this kingdom. And this kingdom means that you're not worried about your own self. God's going to take care of it. You're here trying to serve him by loving other people. And, and it's big. It's not just one little action. It's the next 40 years or the next 50 years. It's not just one person. Sure it is, but it's also people in Africa or people in South America. And it's not just projects that you check off the list. It's a disposition. It's a habit. It's an addiction. You are addicted. You have to. You need to. It's gnawing within you. You're addicted to giving, to serving, to loving to being about that kingdom. And so it's so radical, it cuts all the way to the core of who we are. And so I kind of realized, wow, so if people are going to really get this, that it's not about this kingdom, it's about this kingdom, and we've got to put this away and walk this way, we need to not just talk about be pure, be pure, be pure. We have to paint the picture on the horizon and say, there's the marathon. Commit to running it. Find out why God put you here, what you're calling. And we need to kind of band together and head towards that. And then here was the interesting thing as my wife and I were driving back from Portland and we were talking a lot is it came back to Antioch. And this week I'd been talking with somebody and I was like, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that, that kind of get fired up and they want to go change the world, make a difference, serve God kind of a thing. And then they get into a church community and that church community is a lot like those runaway truck ramps. You ever seen those? You know, it's like going down a hill and then the runaway truck ramps like this. It's got like, I don't know how sand can be like a foot deep, but it's like a foot deep sand. just sucks your tires out. So you can have the biggest, baddest, craziest semi-truck from South Carolina with the Confederate flag on the front. Um, and you're only getting halfway up that, that ramp. It will bog you down, right? 
So I was telling someone about that this week. I was like, you know, churches can kind of be like that. You're all full of excitement and energy, and you come into the church, and then all of a sudden it's like small groups and and this. And am I reading? Am I you know? Am I meeting with this? Am I filling this commitment? You know, my and and then it's just like stupid, stupid, stupid. You know, and you get lost in all that. It, it it just bogs you down. And so people start going around the church, which that doesn't help because whatever you do that's outside of the church, the minute you're gone, it's gone. You know, I mean, church is the only thing that for 2,000 years has multiplied and lasted. It's God's plan for reaching people. We can go serve in Uganda. And then the day we stop going, all we've done is met some needs. If we work through a local church or plant churches, the minute we're gone, what happens? This reproductive deal again that continues to, to meet all the needs, the social needs, fellowship needs, people to work with, truth, an environment where it's going to govern like belief systems and things like that. I mean, all of the things that people really need in life, helping the poor, helping the community, um, all of it happens through church. And so the whole idea is, is church. So we can't completely just go around church but this thing's like the runaway truck ramp. And so, I, you know, as Tamara and I were talking, it's like, how do we do the same thing as a church? How do we look forward and catch a vision, like paint something on the horizon so that we're completely focused on getting out and making a difference so that when people come here, it's an accelerant. It's not a retardant. It's an accelerant. It's, it's a springboard. It helps the people that are trying to run this race so that the, the rest of them would fall into place. It helps those people do what they're called to do. So we're now giving people cups and water and stuff on this marathon, but it's the right race. Does that make sense? We're not like a traffic jam where they can't even find their way through it and it, and it like slows them down on this race that they're trying to run for God. And so this whole thing started for me like with James and James saying this very clearly that friendship with the world is hatred towards God. And hearing Jesus' words that um, you're either for me or against me. You can't serve two masters. And realizing that the most important thing that we need to hear is that we have to shut down and hate and kill and despise that life that would suck us in and take us away from God and develop an addiction to love and to give and to serve and to be alive and to be free. And that if we're going to do this, go in this direction, we've got to set some big goals for ourselves individually, personally. And we've got to band together as a community that, that kind of makes that a, a priority. We're not going to bog you down. We're not going to grind you down. We're going to try and help unleash you and let you go and send you and facilitate. And hopefully you'll do that back for me. And hopefully we'll do that for each other. And hope, hopefully if we're doing small groups, it's not an exercise in futility. There are people that are growing in their walk with God, coming to those small groups, and, and they're able to now start helping each other. And when someone needs to move, that small group's there for them. And when someone's having a baby, that's where the baby shower comes from. And when someone's in the hospital, who visits them? The people from that small group. And so small groups aren't just one more thing bogging me down. They're actually the, the little community that's sending me out and helping me and supporting me in becoming family. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, all right. We're going to close. Hopefully that wasn't too preachy. Um, if it wasn't enough, come up and I'll slap you early <laughs> after the service.
just up here. It's like an Antioch version of like, what's that thing they do where they hit people in the forehead and they fall? Anyways, let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we do just desire. Uh, we're weak. It's not, it's not easy for us, but we do desire to let go of the things that are, that are dead-end things, to be different, to follow you, to know you. Um, Father, we do desire to draw near to you, and we would just pray that you would meet us there that you would take us and lead us. And if there are things in us that need to be killed, that however painful it is, you would kill those things. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. They're going to pass the offering buckets in a second here. And if you've got those surveys or those inf- uh, connecting cards, we'd sure love it if you'd put those in the buckets as they come by. So.